Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's me, Francie, and today I'm joined by Jordan. Francie, how's it going? Hello, Internet. Let's talk about something. What's on the agenda? Today, thanks for joining, Jordan. Uh, I want to talk to you about battery manufacturing and specifically that of battery manufacturing that involves recycled materials. So trying to make a sustainable solution even more sustainable. Have you explored this topic at all? What do you know about it? Um, I haven't done as much exploration as I'd like. I think I feel like and that's probably a lot of the industry, right? A lot of people focus, hyper-focus on the clickbait, which is typically, here's a new car from a manufacturer. We're not making it yet, but you can reserve it here um, and we'll give it to you in like five years. <laughs> that's like what everyone's focused on. Um, and those are all important things, you know, range, improving efficiency, everything. But there's also the big, I think almost elephant in the room of what happens to a battery post car's life. We don't think about it that much because there's so many new cars, but we're, we're, we don't realize some EVs are already getting to the end of their life. The batteries have hundreds of thousands of miles. Then what happens? So I think there's extreme importance to this, uh, which makes me want to learn more. Great. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some news that came out recently. And you were talking about, you know, the EV battery at the end of life. And then if you take components of that or other batteries that are able to be recycled, um, and used in new EV batteries, you know, there's this closed loop opportunity that a lot of companies can take advantage of, combine strengths and find solutions to create more sustainable solutions for the EV life cycle, the EV world. And, you know, EVs are painted as this solution for sustainability. And studies do show that the greenhouse gas emissions over the lifetime of an EV are lower than the ice EV, or your combustion engine vehicle options, but there are spikes along the EV's life that 
are higher compared to the ice, and that is specifically the manufacturing and the end of life. So finding key solutions in those stages uh, is really interesting topic. And so what kind of sparked this for me is that earlier this month, it's September of 2023, uh, uh, BASF or BASF is a global producer of battery materials, announced a partnership, an agreement with Nanotech Energy, a company in the field of graphene-based energy storage products. And their partnership agreement is reportedly going to significantly reduce the CO2 footprint of lithium ion batteries for the North American market specifically. And how are they going to do it? I feel like that was the question you're about to ask. So BASF, <laughs> how are they doing it? And there are a lot of ways we can think about doing it. And BASF and Nanotech Energy, they do have different strong points and different footholds in the industry that they're combining here. So from the press release from BASF, they'll be producing cathode active materials from recycled metals in their Battle Creek, Michigan facility. And then Nanotech Energy will be using those materials for lithium ion battery cells. And then will reportedly BASF will be the first company in North America to provide these cathode active materials produced with recycled metals on a commercial scale. And they're talking about this starting in 2024. So this is soon. And they haven't stopped with um, just partnering with Nanotech here. They're also including the American Battery Technology Company, which is a lithium ion battery recycling powerhouse in Reno, but also TODA, T-O-D-A, Advanced Materials, Inc. And this is a company with reported decades of experience in making specialized materials for cathodes. So off the bat, we're seeing a lot of partners here working together to start to build this closed loop, at least taking recycled materials from one and using them in the production of lithium ion batteries in the other. Off the bat, any questions there? Um, yeah. <laughs> First, I was like, what does BASF stand for? Um, but, you know, Google helps me. And for anyone wondering, it's not one of those creative, like, oh, we're clever acronyms. I mean, it kind of is, but Badish Enelen und Soda Fabric, which is uh, basically a German soda factory, early, early German chemists. So this is Germany playing a big part in North American improvements, which I think is great. Um, mm -hmm. We do need to come together kind of as, as a world on this because um, we're, we're dealing with a lot of rare earth elements. And the goal of this entire thing is how do we make the rare earth elements less rare? Um, we can't help the fact that <clears throat> we have a limited supply of, of mining them and such. And of course there's ways we can mine them better and improve that efficiency. But it's also making them less rare, as in how how much can we possibly reuse rather than just completely throw away. Um, we want as little into a landfill as possible. Landfills just freak me out in general, but of like the thought of recycling really is very refreshing. Um, and I guess something another way this has made news recently wasn't actually in the car industry, but you know Apple's latest keynote when they unveiled the new phones, they talked about how they're trying to reach as a company a perfect kind of circle of neutrality, carbon net neutrality, where yes, there's certain things when you make or manufacture something, especially with a battery, you can't always recycle 100% of it, but where can you offset those in other methods? And so exactly. maybe you can't do a perfect, you know, you can't recycle a dead battery to create a new battery for perfectly. That's like a, a there's there's no way that's like chemically possible um but there's there's other ways you can improve efficiencies in your supply line and supply chain and so i think i think this is a huge important 
aspect um, it, within this realm of you know battery lithium ion technology. Um, and I this is like subject for additional podcasts later, but like where else in the creation, the life cycle of the autom automobile manufacturing process can corners be not necessarily cut, but like improved upon um, to like some places can be super efficient, whereas others it's like, well, how do you offset the emissions of a, you know, huge ship shuttling cars from Europe to America? I mean, that's, it takes other ways to do that, but Definitely. it's interesting. And I, it's good to see companies like this partnering and also the, the countries, the companies are associated with. Speaking of, you were saying that BASF, you know, isn't an American company and they did also just to kind of cite their, their history. They, um, I think it was, Earlier this year, um, they also partnered with Tenova Advanced Technologies, which is a company in Israel, and uh, they have they were partnering on BASF's battery recycling prototype plant in Germany, and so they're leveraging TAT's processes for recovering the production of lithium, and that's like their lithium solvent extraction and their lithium electrolysis. So that's just another example of how they're partnering with other folks, other companies that have these technologies, either, you know, really go, going well for them, a lot of R&D on the back end, and then using them to supplement what they're doing. And I also wanted to, so, so back to this agreement here, that is North American focused. So basically, they also reported that their efforts are going to reduce the CO2 impact of these EV batteries made with recycled materials by 25% compared to the use of primary metals uh, from mines, batteries made with primary metals from mines. So that's a fourth of the CO2 impact. That is huge, right? Uh, and it, they do seem to be pointing specifically to the mining factor that, uh, you know, you won't have to mine new metals, but instead take them and recycle them. So it kind of, I mean, I, those numbers, I'm not exactly sure. You know, I don't have the research to back it up, but it does seem like there's a huge pressure on the environment from mining and it can even drop that impact 25%. So just to keep connecting the dots so we make sure we understand kind of how this partnership is working. So Nanotech Energy will be using BASF's recycled materials and they list them as nickel, cobalt, manganese, and lithium in their lithium ion battery cell production. So those are the materials we're kind of talking about here. And obviously, like we said, it's going to have a big impact. And then nanotech will be able to offer the cells produced with those recycled materials to customers in North America. And this is working towards that fully regional closed loop supply chain. And it points to a possibility of a world where lithium ion batteries are not only powerful and what we need to get the range and the power we need in our cars and you know whatever else are using these batteries, but also that they could be environmentally friendly do you think it's possible, Jordan? <clears throat> that would that would be nice because it is a weird dichotomy of like, oh, I drive an EV, I'm environmentally environmentally friendly, but then a lot of the naysayers say, well, what about the manufacturing of that EV? And then they associate it with you not being environmentally friendly. So it would be nice to bridge that to be less of a, a polarizing phrase on either side of the aisle. But um, I I don't know. <laughs> I I think. Like, yeah, like I said, there's improvements to be made kind of everywhere. And so I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, part of why we're doing this podcast is I'm hoping more of these specific stories get into the limelight because, again, we want to 
put more out there of like this is something that needs to be tackled and there's a lot of brilliant people working on it and i feel like they don't get as much of the news and the press as they should i agree yeah it's it's not as maybe you know sexy news but it is you know it's cutting edge it's really innovative and i personally love to see it and there's also tons of opportunity opportunity to be taken advantage of here there is federal funding for instance and i wanted to note that quickly because as we've seen the ev industry you know trending upwards we've also seen policy legislation funding and grants trend with it so Hope, I, I'm not sure if these companies are specifically taking advantage of that, but the Biden administration has been working to build out the lithium battery supply chain and recycling programs in the states. And for instance, in 2022, the Department of Energy announced it would give $3.1 billion to fund companies establishing battery production facilities in the states. And then in June, uh, the Department of Energy also announced it would dedicate $192 million to promote battery recycling. There's a lot of money on the table to take advantage of to get these grants and start the work and create the on the American soil closed loop. So I think there's a lot of potential there and there's a lot of pros. And I want to dive into those with you, the pros and cons that would that are facing this. You know, it, it sounds like an amazing solution. Let's figure out how to recycle EV batteries and use recycled materials to make EV batteries and keep the loop going. But of course, their challenge is standing in the way. Um, do you want to start with the pros or the cons, Jordan? Um, honestly, let's start with the cons uh, because that's that's usually what makes the most noise. I mean, it's it's like we are wired to like look at bad news more, and so maybe we start with some of that and see what is valid, but also what could be poked a hole in because it's like somewhat of an invalid argument. <laughs> Great. Yeah, so I, I errored, errored out and had to come back in. I actually had to switch locations, go over. Luckily, you know, pros of living close to family. Uh, got to go switch over to other Wi-Fi. If anyone knows good Southeast United States internet providers, let me know. Kyle mentioned possibly Starlink, which maybe would just, uh, yeah, like leapfrog over all the issues that I seem to be having with my Wi-Fi. But They would let you podcast from anywhere. Yeah, I could podcast from anywhere. I could get one of those canoe vans, trick it out, and go camping Wait, and podcast from anywhere. Podcast studio on wheels. I mean, uh, last last part of this tangent, uh, we were on Pikes Peak last year um, with Kyle. We had the Rivian. We had Starlink. We were, like, watching YouTube videos on, like, 14,000 feet elevation. We should have podcasted then. Don't know why we didn't think about that, but... Anyways, um, yeah, cons to uh, recycling, I guess. Um, so I guess one con to start with is limited supply, um, which can kind of be obvious and also I think is actually a limited con if you think about it. So limited supply basically meaning, hey, we don't have a ton of resources yet. We don't have a ton of recycled materials because um, partially because the there's not a ton of EVs yet. They still at this point make up less than 5% of the market share in the U.S., we could talk about like you know Scandinavian magic later, but in the U.S., it's still a hard minority of vehicle, new vehicles sold on the road. So there's actually not a ton of things to recycle yet, but that will start fixing itself as EVs come in the hands of more people. Um, but there's also just things that are like cobalt, lithium. Uh, I mean, somewhat rare elements that are typically mined, and I know that's that's a the pro we'll get into later is like, well, it's easier to recycle them sometimes than mine them. But that still can be just a, a, a limited supply factor. 
Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, if we're, we're talking about the availability of these, if we're going to depend on them being recycled, then yeah, we do have to think about where that source is as well. So is it a balance for now? But then we, the impact of mining, I mean, there's inhumane conditions, there's a lot of resources that go in, there's environments that are just totally destroyed to get these. So that's an interesting con. And one that I found uh, just also to be pretty intuitive is that we want high performance batteries still from these materials, right? And if we're recycling them, it brings into the question of the quality of those materials. What is the recycling process like? How, you know, it has to be so, so specific to the point to get the materials to the purest form that they need to be so that we don't uh, have to, you know, um, sacrifice the efficiency, the power of the battery. So that comes into it too, but I guess, you know, that is an avoidable con, right? If we, if the processes are possible to make these materials as uniform as possible, their chemical composition and the crystal structures that are required for battery performance and long battery life as, you know, perfect as we can get them to match the, or, or beat the way that we make these batteries now, it does seem like one we could go around, but I'm sure that that is, it's just a hurdle, right? If we're going to recycle, I know that lithium um, from research that I've done and what I've heard about recycling lithium doesn't, it's actually not prone to degrade when you recycle it. It actually can get even of higher quality. So I'm not sure about the other materials, but that is something to consider too. And that's something that will get better with more and more companies doing this, like progression of technology, essentially of recycling technologies. And that, I guess, bleeds into the next con of like, well, it's a complex recycling process. It's far more complex than recycling like cardboard. Um, but that's another thing that will get better with time uh, with companies like BASF and others that are spearheading ways to make it more efficient and just improve the processes. All, all, almost all of these cons are like self-defeating with time. And so that's kind of the asterisk of like, okay, which cons are genuine con as far as like fundamentally versus which ones can be attributed to oh it's just we're just new at this and so it'll get better right kind of like with early evs some of the major cons were like well it can't charge faster than like 15 hours and it goes like 80 miles well those cons are no longer a con because of progress of technology so the same thing can apply with some of these um, and that even goes with infrastructure yeah infrastructure for sure and if we see that you know, like the evolution of things, they, they come together, the technology takes a bit to establish, but the, and we can see with this partnership too, that while one company might be, you know, have the strong suit in one fashion and the other and one they can combine. So the infrastructure for collecting, sorting and processing the used batteries, while that might not be established right now, we can see these partnerships come together to share the technologies, to leverage each other's technologies, to build the infrastructure. And then also like, the funding that's coming from the government that is there to promote this kind of infrastructure. So again, these are strong, strong naysayer points. There are things to consider. I'm seeing them more as obstacles rather than total cons, total uh, no's. They're not stopping points, but they're something to overcome. And like you said, yeah, the more we work at this, it does seem like the more that these are going to be able to be, you know, triumphed over. And yeah, part of well, I was going to say Go that, that's the same with like, uh, en like energy intensity, uh, which is another con of like, it takes so much to recycle, but like everything else that's like, well, 
it, like with cars, it takes a lot of energy to get them moving. But once we become more efficient with that energy use, then that kind of goes away. And so that's that's another con we were talking about earlier, of like how energy intensive recycling can be, which in some ways can like, oh, that defeats the purpose. Because that's just like when the first when EV battery is first made, that's where all the energy kind of goes into it. And that's what a lot of the the hardcore ice extremists will bring up that point of like, oh, your mm -hmm. battery car is not actually better than my gas car because of how much impact it was was caused by it first being made. Now that's not so much of an issue. Um, and again, driving the like looking at the car's lifespan counteracts that point. Um, so energy intensity of recycling, I think that that does offset some of the environmental benefits. But again, it's something that gets better with time. That's a good point and something to consider too. Like it's not black and white. There's not an easy answer to this, but where can we be improving? And there's always going to be folks who naysay, who harp on the cons, but I, I think if we're not trying to make it better then what on earth are we doing? And another thing that I think people are like to harp on as well is the, you know, to start to start a new technology, to start a new initiative, there's a lot of investment, literally capital, research and development that has to move forward. There are not really, you know, you have to take expertise that exists and morph it into expertise that applies to this kind of science and research and development and this kind of, you know, business structure in general. So I think that can be uh, something that stops a lot of projects, a lot of institutional or pr like private company initiatives is the upfront investment in this, but we saw it with other technology. We've seen it, you know, throughout history that, yeah, it can be expensive on the front end, but again, if we're not investing in this, then what else are we supposed to be investing in? Yeah. You have this interesting mix of uh, legacy companies. Uh, we're seeing this in the EV landscape as a whole. I mean, Tesla was a huge, like new company and now there's such a normal name, like household name versus and then there's like you know canoe like you said and then there's other ones that are legacy auto manufacturers like ford and chevy who are have bigger things they can invest and so it's like how much of it are they going to invest in which things are working which things are not and they can afford to bite the bullet a bit more sometimes so it's interesting to see some of the legacy auto manufacturers like honda and toyota be so behind the curve but and to their sense maybe they're observing to see what everyone else does so that they can do it right i kind of equate that sometimes to like well apple introduces a new feature on the phone and all the android phones are like well we've had that for five years but then the counter arguments well it sucked for five years and now apple's doing it correctly and that's not always the case but like that's apple's reason for waiting and so i think that's what toyota and honda are going to come out with they have evs but like nothing like the scale of ford and some of the other guys so right. I think the initial investments are is that's a, definitely a con. It's a hurdle, but that's why things are important, like this um, stuff that BASF is doing. BASF has been a company for over 150 years, so they're not new to performing as a company. They're just new to this specific technology, and they can afford the investment. So I think we need more collaboration between I think some of the bigger legacy companies and new smaller startups that have more of the audacity to make uh, brave, weird, wild decisions. You need that kind of balance to connect. That's a great point. Yeah, taking the, you know, the, the naughty approach of the entrepreneurs and pairing it with the foundational knowledge of others, you can totally reap the benefits. And they also, uh, there's one question of 
like the regulatory hurdles that go into this as well. While we might have the technology and it looks great, but like what are the regulations related to recycling these materials, these batteries, and then using these in in batteries that are going to be, you know, on the market. And maybe those older companies have more experience with compliance and, you know, standardizing processes so that those challenges aren't as big, but it's definitely also something to consider that might put a damper on things. Um, and it's also, you know, it's new territory. The regulation probably has most to do with new materials going into batteries, whereas this is recycled materials. So again, it stresses that recycling process and how that, of course, we're, we're having foresight, we're having, you know, 2020 hindsight here. And that also parallels with this loop, this closed loop that we're trying to make, you know, think all throughout the cycle where we're going to have to be compliant, efficient, and build an actual long lasting sustainable solution to this problem. So I think that covers a good bit of cons. If y'all watching have any more that you think is standing in the way of this becoming more large scale. I mean, it's really cool to be alive at this time and watch this kind of technology really roll forward. But sometimes I'm like, why are, Why is this just happening now? You know, we've had the kind of access to this technology and thinking, I mean, this is nothing new. So why now? But it's also really cool to be a, a part of the conversation right now. Yeah. So speaking of, I mean, if you have more cons you want to talk about or <clears throat> pros that we might not mention in a second, I mean, throw those in the comments down below. We'll see you and hang out down there. I love the comments feed being somewhat of a symposium of people just exchanging ideas. Uh, of course, mm -hmm. that's what, you know, blogs and stuff are, but as well, but um, yeah, and we need to be more active on probably like Discord and things like that, because uh, there's, there's so much that can be had from conversations. And I probably sit at this weird peak of this like tri-layer pyramid of like conservative, progressive, and libertarian because I'm like a sympathist for so many different facets of all of them, especially when it comes to regulation. Um, like, for example, some regulations are just red tape and rigmarole for no reason, um, or at least seems like no reason because, I mean, the example that comes to my head is in Europe, they have all of like these cool like mirror cameras and like matrix led lights that that's taken the u.s forever or we're still not approving it because we have old rules that just won't go away because we are so behind the curve on regulatory updates i'm not anti-regulation i think i am i'm progressive regulation but also the conservative mindset of don't fix it, if it ain't broke if it should be that way so like somewhere in there is the answer um but maybe on that the disappointment we should switch to, to to pros because there's a lot of pros to this technology we already talked about funding like federal funding which is a, a facet of it's like oh i hate the feds because they regulate too much but then also i love the feds because they're like funding some of the things that would make small companies otherwise not exist right yeah exactly it's it's not black and white here and i can also see like where you're coming from what regulation is there that is useful like safety standards and all that kind of stuff to make sure we're making these appropriately, but where's the line? Um, and so of course, yeah, the, the benefits, the pros of this coming to mind are immediately the environmental benefits instead of mining or extracting new materials. Instead, we can reduce the impact of mining, reduce the need for mining. And then of course have like lower that environmental impact. And one, uh, stat that I came off that I came that I found from Redwood materials site is that 
average components mined and used for batteries, EV batteries, travel 50,000 miles before reaching their destination. And I mean, we're not even talking about just the mining, but then they have to travel, you know, 50,000 miles using not, you know, uh, renewable energy, I'd say is likely. And if you haven't heard of Redwood Materials, they are a company that aims to recycle lithium ion batteries and produce battery materials for electromobility and electrical storage systems. So they're also in this space. Of course, in terms of the environment, we would consume less energy by mining less, by using recycled materials. But again, I would love to see a direct comparison of what uh, the process is for recycling these materials and then implementing them and then the direct comparison to uh, mining and, and getting fresh materials. And then, of course, lower emissions. The whole goal with, goal with EVs is that there's less greenhouse gas emissions. And then if we're recycling instead of, you know, mining new ones, which do typically have processes that have high levels of GHG gases, which is what we're talked to in the EV life cycle, the production, like that's where the GHG emission spike is at the beginning and at the end of life. Yeah. And if we're going to have those emissions, regardless, like it's better to put some of those into recycling rather than raw mining. And I get the importance of both, but I don't want to have one exist without the other. So it's good to have some balance there. And beyond the things you talked about, we're like, um, like conserving resources, um, preserving natural resources and also extending the lifespan of existing resources. Those, these are kind of like default obvious things to recycling, but I still, still think they're worth pointing out because, um, I don't know, like certain metals like lithium, cobalt, nickel, and different battery technologies use different amounts of these or less or none of these, but we should still be focusing I think on all of them because we're going to have needs for various types of batteries. Solid state batteries are going to be great for some things like vehicles and for other things maybe less good. Uh, lithium ion will continue to have its place. So I think we we need to not hyper focus on one especially as it becomes an emerging important technology but just as a whole across the board like what what are all the resources involved and how can we recycle every single one of them. Take the approach kind of not to keep like praising Apple, They're, they do all sorts of weird stuff wrong sometimes, but they, they, they take this holistic approach, which I think is probably good for some other companies to look at is like, okay, not just one facet of the supply chain, but everything, what is every single thing involved and how can we cut down on that? Mm -hmm. It makes you think of like, what are the dedicated teams that are thinking of this uh, holistically and it would probably be really interesting to be on, be a part of them. And we talked about uh, how like there's federal funding for this, but there's other economic benefits to recycling that we found, you know, instead of mining, which does take financial funding to do it, using recycled materials could be more cost-effective than getting those new resources. And then again, it's a growing market. Like if you're making recycled uh, batteries, imagine that if there's, incentives or regulations that actually start to enforce using EV batteries with recycled materials. I could see that kind of thing happening in California, for instance, or something like that. Like if we're going to regulations keep going to going to be moving that way, there's market growth here. I mean, it's it's so much potential for these innovative ideas that are bringing tremendous value to the market. And there's so much to take advantage of. Yeah. And beyond that, there's there's the last few points of like well, energy security and reputation. I mean, I not to security is important. Like 
we want to have the the security of i guess countries promoting recycling and vulnerabilities supply chain disruptions like it's i don't know that that's an important aspect but i think not to jump the gun but like reputation is some things that i think companies will hyper focus on and they'll be like look at us we're clean um but explaining why like this is like this could be a pro anacon because you could have that like faux reputation of like this is what we do but then when you actually dig into it they're actually not doing everything they can and so Mm -hmm. i think this this does take some of the regulation and just a properly run company to do well um but companies that are like prioritizing sustainability and they they need to have they want to keep a positive image and so i think it's important that companies like the auto manufacturers have the sustainability as a key component, not just the tier one and tier two suppliers that provide the stuff for the batteries. You need to have the auto manufacturers who are kind of in the limelight. You know, our our big friends at Magna are a name that not everyone really knows about because everyone just knows Ford, Tesla, um, Mazda. But uh, it's, it's important to be aware of these underlying companies that are not small. I mean, Magna is gigantic, and so are a lot of these other ones. BASF is huge. And uh, there's a lot of people who just don't know they exist, which on one hand is fine. Everyone has their own niche of information they're aware of. But I think it's this is increasingly more important for people to understand where this stuff comes from and how it happens. I mean, just like being aware of how recycling works in your hometown. Uh, where does it go? What happens to it when it leaves your house? I think these are important conversations to be had around the vehicles, hence this podcast. That's such a good point. I think there is a very consistent disconnect between things that we rely on and we do in our lives and where either where they come from or where they go when we're done with them and these cycles. And so I love, thanks for coming on and covering this topic with me. I think the recycling and the battery uh, aspect of this is so interesting. And yeah, to bring these kind of stories to light and the actual efforts behind them, it's not as sexy as the automakers maybe, but it is so interesting, essential if we want to make progress in this space to really make a sustainable, holistic system here. And yeah, thanks for hopping on and discussing this. I think it's really interesting. Like Jordan said, I'd, we'd love to have a conversation below. Of course, we'd love to get some expert guests on soon as well in terms of battery manufacturing, battery recycling, all that. And overall, thanks for tuning in, Jordan. This was a great conversation. Is there anything else that you're curious about? Maybe you want to ask the audience or that we should look into for next time? Yeah, I mean, just let us know what topics within this realm you kind of want to talk about. Because honestly, if we're being honest, each of these pros and cons could be its own show, especially if we have an expert on. I mean, Francie and I are in the industry. We are aware of things, but we don't know everything. We're not going to pretend to know everything. Um, that's why we want to bring on some some crucial talent in, in the realm of this is their world. So I think you should let us know in the comments below what what intrigues you and what else you want to see. And um, until then, we'll be your nerds on the Autospec podcast. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye, y'all. Cheers.